So today's sermon is finding joy in the gospel, living a life that's holy, happy, healthy, helpful, and hopeful. Listen, I know I'm like a broken record with this, but you can't break records unless you're comfortable being a broken record. We have what gets repeated gets remembered. So um, I'm going to preach this message so we can continue to shape our lives and shape our church culture. Heavenly Father, I ask you for a fresh anointing in my life. Hide me behind the cross. Allow me to speak with simplicity, clarity, and power. But wherever I'm weak, you're strong. So it's not about my preaching, but it's about the Holy Spirit sealing this word in the hearts of your people. So Holy Spirit, have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 through 18. Paul's writing to the church at Thessalonica, right? Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Jesus Christ. Always be joyful, right? And so we believe here at Summit Church that when you're transformed by the gospel, that, hey, if you bow your knee to Jesus, if you reflect, repent, and allow God to renew your life through the end dwelling of the Holy Spirit by confessing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and then allowing the Holy Spirit to um, help you do the will of the Father by bringing glory to the Son, and then we have our place in eternity, this should produce a joy, a giddy joy, a joy that allows us to be spirit-filled and spirit-spilled. See, brothers and sisters, joy is more than a feeling. It's a decision rooted in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so when, when, when I preach these sermons, there's some benefits and features that I, I, I wanted to share the possibility, right? To envision you. What happens when you when you when you pray this sin, when when you have a journal, when you when when you ask the Holy Spirit to help you apply? I believe there's some financial benefits, right? I believe that if you if you allow the Holy Spirit to do something in your life, to renew your mind, become a disciple, I believe that you begin to embrace stewardship. And when you embrace stewardship, when you remove greed, when you remove uh, a desire to oppress people who don't really like you by buying things you don't need, I believe that you will see improved financial management and stewardship. I believe that a, a disciple of Christ has decreased stress and worry relating to finance, especially if you're blessed to live in America, New York City, and you're afforded opportunities. I believe there's mental health benefits to a child of God, increased peace and joy, uh, once you know your identity of Christ is an improved self-worth and confidence, or some people say confidence. I believe the relationship benefits. I believe that a person who yields their life to Christ, studies God's word, and becomes spirit-led and spirit-filled, there's improved communication, there's improved conflict resolution skills, there's increased love and forgiveness and compassion towards others. I believe it helps us age gracefully, right? That once we understand our calling, the great commandment, the great commission, the great commitment, the great companion, the Holy Spirit, that there's a sense of purpose and fulfillment in the later years of our life, improved physical and mental health, a positive outlook, and a hope-filled future. It's important to know that these benefits are not guaranteed and they vary from person to person, but these are the potential outcomes of living a gospel Christ-centered life. 
So we have to start by defining what the gospel is in multiple levels of depths. Um, so we, we, we never neglect the first principles, right? So for a child, we could say the gospel is the good news about Jesus who came to our world to be our friend and to help us be good. And when we do something wrong, we can ask Jesus to forgive us and make us clean on the inside. And we can be happy and have peace because Jesus loves us very much. For a teenager, we could explain the gospel is the message of hope and forgiveness through Jesus Christ. We all make mistakes and sin, but through repentance and faith in Jesus, we could experience forgiveness a new start in life. By yielding to the Holy Spirit, we can live a fruitful, supernatural lifestyle filled with joy and peace. For a college student or an adult, we can say the gospel is the story of God's love and grace and how it's available to all through Jesus Christ. When we recognize our sin and turn from it, we can receive the forgiveness and cleansing that only Jesus could provide. By yielding to the Holy Spirit, we can experience a transformed, renewed life full of purpose, peace, and power. For a big brain, right, <laughs> PhD or what have you, we can say the gospel is the message of salvation made possible through the virgin birth, sinless life, and sacrificial death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Through repentance, we can receive forgiveness of our sins to be reconciled to God. And when we yield to the Holy Spirit, we can experience the abundant life that Jesus promised, including joy, peace, and the fruit of the Spirit. For sociologists, we can say the gospel is the message of the hope and transformation for individuals and society. Through repentance and faith in Jesus, individuals could receive, can experience forgiveness and renewal, which could lead to positive changes in their relationships, communities, and their world. By yielding to the Holy Spirit, believers can live a supernatural lifestyle characterized by love, joy, and peace, and other I've just been a lifelong Christian who's seen it all, right? They're theologian. They've been going to, to part-time to Bible college for 10 years. Then we can say the gospel is the message of the kingdom of God breaking into the world through Jesus Christ, the second Adam. The good news of salvation and redemption made possible through Jesus' death, well, sinless life, death, and resurrection, which defeated sin and death and restored grace to the world. The gospel is rooted in the biblical doctrine of the Trinity, where Jesus is the pre-incarnate second person of the Trinity. And in the doctrine of original sin, Genesis chapter 3, where sin entered the world through one man, Adam, but grace, somebody say grace. Right came through the, into the world through Jesus Christ, the second Adam described by Paul. Through repentance, individuals could receive forgiveness and be reconciled to God the Father and experience the transforming power of the Holy Spirit in their lives. The gospel invites individuals to participate in God's redemptive work in the world, right? The Great Commission bringing joy and hope to all those who believe. Those who believe in the gospel will become part of the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, and the family of God, sharing in a living, vibrant relationship with the Lord and with one another. So as we understand the gospel, it, it, it produces something in our life. It, it produces, it's like, it's like if you really get into working out and eating right and meal plans and meal preps, 
for a year, it's going to produce something, right? It's going to produce like something, uh, uh, physical changes, even mental changes, emotional changes, mm -hmm. um, even like going to college, right? When I speak to my son, Eddie, right? And, and he has all this sociological knowledge and human services knowledge and critical theory. It's like, wow, I'm like talking to a new person, right? This educate, education has transformed my son in many aspects. So I believe when we are embracing the gospel, as we live out this gospel, as we learn to love and lean and learn about Christ, it begins to produce something, manifestations of our life. And some of the manifestations I want to talk to you about today is holiness, happiness, health, helpfulness, and hope foundations of the holy life right this is what we want to see in everybody that calls summit church their home so let's go holiness holiness the ultimate goal on holiness is to become like jesus and to reflect his character in all aspects of our life to be like jesus and to reflect his character in all aspects first thessalonians 4 7 says but god has not called us to be impure but to live holy lives. Christian theologian J.C. Ryle says, the great need of the church in every age is the need of personal holiness. So I found this by R.C. Sproul. It's called, um, it's in like, I think it's a website called Pastor's Workshop. And it was an illustration. And it says, elevated to the third degree. Only once in sacred scripture is the attribute of God elevated to the third degree. Only once a characteristic of God is mentioned three times in succession. The Bible says God is holy, holy, holy. Not merely holy or even holy, holy, but he is holy, holy, holy. The Bible never says God is love, 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 mercy, 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 wrath, wrath, wrath. Justice, justice, justice. But it does say that God is holy, holy, holy. And the whole earth is full of his glory. So when we try to be like Jesus and want to be the holiness, we have to understand that holiness doesn't necessarily mean isolation. Jesus himself was called a drunkard in Luke chapter 7, verse 34. So it's commonly known in theologians that Jesus in occasions of feasts, festivals, and weddings, will drink wine. And he was called a drunkard. Jesus was called the Samaritan, the guy you were half-breed. Jesus was called demon-possessed. He was called a sinner, right? Because he was always hanging around the down and out, the, the, the sinners, the tax collectors, the prostitutes. So remember, even though Jesus was a friend of the sinner, and he went to weddings, drank wine, laughed with his friends. He was still sinless and holy. And that's the goal, fam. Not to be holy locked in our room, collecting checks with the government, right? But to be holy at work, to be holy at birthday parties, to be holy at weddings. Holy, holiness is not just about what we avoid. It's about what we embrace. Amen. So let's look at happiness. Romans 15, 13. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, when Paul writes this, this is how we should pray for people. 
we should pray not just for things, but for manifestations of the revelation of their relationship with God. We should pray that people have joy and peace because they trusted him. We should pray, pray that they have an overflow of hope through the Holy Spirit. All right. So there's Max Lucado, one of my mom's favorite authors in his book, in like an um, essay, I believe, in the, alt, in, uh, in, in the altar in the world. <clears throat> he said, joy is the flag that flies on the castle of the heart when the king is in residence. Oh, that's so good. You know, when you go to England, when you go to London, yeah, England, there'll be different flags. There's multiple castles. And every time there's royalty at the castle, they release a certain flag to let you know they're there. So I love what he says this. Joy is the flag that flies on the castle of the heart. When, so if Jesus is living in your heart, the flag of joy should be seen by all. Happiness is not just a feeling, it's a choice rooted in deep spiritual gratitude. So let's go to healthy, right? Uh, emotional health is a byproduct of spiritual health in, in, in our context, as we surrender our worries and fears to God. We surrender. We have to learn to surrender to God, right? Physical health is a gift from God and we honor him by taking care of our bodies as the temples of the Holy Spirit. Emotional health is not just the absence of pain, it's the presence of peace. First Peter 2.24 says, he personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we could be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds, we are healed. And so this is another observation I've made as a pastor for a long time. Anticipation seems to be a factor in motivation for health for men. I gotta fit into this dress for this wedding. I gotta go to this vacation. Uh, I gotta, I gotta get this surgery. I gotta lose weight, right? And so, I believe as we begin to know who we are in Christ, as we begin to build up our faith, our hope, our stewardship to plan. Uh, good events, and all these things begin to start operating in our life, it builds up an expectancy and anticipation that we don't want to break down before the breakthrough. And so I just want to share that with you. In terms of health, take care of yourself, because something good could be coming around the corner. Amen? So another thing about health uh, and being a disciple is everybody knows a reader is a leader, and a leader is a reader. And so I'm not gonna read this whole thing, but research shows that people who are readers live longer. And so I just wanted to share that with you. And then it's helpfulness. Mark 10, 45 says, even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Helpful is not just what we do for others, it's about who we become in the process. According to the paradox of generosity, Americans who describe themselves as very happy volunteer an average 5.8 hours a month. Those who donate more than 10% of their income also exhibited lower depression rates than those who did not. And lastly, hope. Romans 
prayed it before, but I just emphasize the beginning. I pray that God, the source of hope, right? So hope is not just a feeling, it's a decision to trust in the promises of God, no matter what life brings, right? In this like medical journal I read, it says hope is a multi-dimensional dynamic life force that is characterized by a confident yet uncertain expectation of achieving good, which is realistically possible and personally significant. Ooh, that's good. Even the doctors know hope is a medicine. So biblical orthodoxy defines hope as a confident trust in God's promises and his ability to bring about good things in our lives, no matter what our circumstances may be. Hope reduces feelings of helplessness, increases happiness, reduces stress, and improves our quality of lives. So the TLDR, too long to read. Live a life of holiness, happiness, and health. Be helpful to others. Hope for heavenly wealth or heavenly blessings. Embrace the gospel and its transformative power and bring God's kingdom to earth hour by hour. I'm a poet, didn't know it. So in conclusion, let us strive to live lives that reflect the gospel by growing in holiness, happiness, health, helpfulness, and hope. May we always remember that God's love and grace is the source, source, not the source, well, kind of the source, the source of all we need. And when he promises to be with us, and that he promises to be with us always through his son, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the good news of the gospel and for the hope and the joy and the peace and the love that it brings into our lives. Help us to grow in our relationship with you and to live lives that reflect your love and your grace to others. We pray this in the name of, our, of your son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Let me stop share. Let me stop recording.